Thanks for joining us here on Bearcat Rewind, and it is finally playoff football time. Northwest Missouri State is the three seed in Super Region 3, and the Bearcats will lock up with Central Washington in Maryville on Saturday. Now this marks the program's 25th playoff appearance in 17th straight. That is just unheard of numbers there for the Bearcats. Elsewhere around the region, matchups include number two seed Harding hosting Washburn, the four seed Grand Valley State at home against Lindenwood, and undefeated Ferris State is number one in the region. They have a bye. They will face the winner of Grand Valley in Lindenwood. Nebraska Kearney also made it into the playoffs. They were moved into Super Region 4 and will take on Western Colorado. Now there's a lot to sort through with the bracket and all of the moving we saw in the final week, so Wayne Cavati joins us to break it all down. Wayne's an NCAA Division II sports analyst for Turner Sports. You can read his work on NCAA.com. I'd encourage you to check all that out. He'll shed some light on the playoffs for us and also what to expect from Central Washington this weekend. Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu foundation. And also Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. Wayne Cavati is our guest today, breaking down the NCAA Division II football playoffs with a preview of Super Region 3. Let's dive into this week's Bearcat Rewind. We're sitting down to chat with Wayne Cavati, and you know if we're talking with Wayne here on the podcast, and that means it's playoff time one way or the other. Typically, we talk a lot of Northwest Missouri State basketball, at least the last couple of years, because there was no football last season around. But we're talking with Wayne here as we're getting set for the NCAA Division II playoffs coming up. That's starting this week in Northwest Missouri State. will be at home against Central Washington. Wayne, it's it's a fun time of year. The, the leaves are changing. It's getting colder outside, and you kind of know it's that time of the Bearcats are in the playoffs once again. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, you hit it on the head. We didn't get to talk to you to football last year at all on, on any level, you know, so... Uh, seeing, watching the selection show last night and seeing the bracket unfold and, you know, seeing a lot of familiar faces like those Bearcats back in the bracket ready for, um, you know, November, December football is, is an exciting time for sure. As the bracket's coming out and we're getting set for selection Sunday, personally, didn't know what to expect because Northwest Missouri State and the previous regional rankings were at number four. Um, but seeing them up close and personal the last few weeks after that loss to Washburn, this team kicked it up to a new level, and part of that's getting healthy, but they're just playing at such a high level. You're like, well, is the committee still going to move them up, or is there enough things shuffling around? Northwest Missouri State ends up being the three seed instead of the four seed. Um, can you shed some light on that of how Northwest Missouri State does bump up a little bit, and if, if there was any potential discussions, if they were to overtake Harding and all that two spot? Um, you know, I when it comes to the, the discussions, um, as far as what didn't happen, uh, I wish I was more privy to those because I'd be curious how close they were to moving all the way up to number two. But, you know, Harding, when it, when it really came down to it, um, a lot of these teams, and we can talk about some of the other ones too in this part of the, of the region, it was really a, a coin flip, so to speak. You know, if you looked at the performance indicator, if you looked at the, the records against 500 ball clubs, they were, they were so very close. But I, I think what propelled the Bearcats is kind of what you alluded to, right? Like those first regional rankings were on the heels of a loss to what turns out to be a very good and tournament bound Washburn team. So I think in hindsight, when you look 
back now that we're three weeks into the regional rankings, and you see that both the Bearcats and Grand Valley State are very much in the same boat, right? They, they, their only loss came to a regional opponent. Those, those decimals, those, those threads of a fraction that trade that, uh, in the performance indicator and, and strength of schedule and those other stats and in-region play, that's where they come into play. And, and I think it just helped, um, you know, Northwest, like you said, Northwest is right at the ship at the right time. And, and I think when it came down to it, um, the Bearcats are, first of all, um, very good, but second of all, in a good position that should they win their first round game, they don't have to face Ferris State for another round because <laughs> I don't know that anybody wants to do that right now. Not only that, you have Grand Valley and Ferris both on the same side of the bracket, so uh, that's okay on that end there, too, I think. Um, when yeah. you look at it, and you mentioned Washburn and, and how good of a football team that is, and I was thinking, man, they have to be kicking themselves. They beat Northwest, but a last-minute score by UNK um, – ended up being one of their losses. They're that close to being a one-loss team and in, in, in the thick of things as far as the MIAA title um, and the playoffs goes. They end up getting into, Nebraska Kearney sneaks into a different region. Were you surprised the MIAA put three playoff teams in overall? Um, I would definitely mildly surprised. I wouldn't call it a, a complete surprise. Um, you know, that, that Southeastern Oklahoma State loss, the Henderson State loss, um, this was one of the brackets that was, was really, for the most part, the teams that had a win this past Saturday went out and won, right? Um, and this was one of the areas of the bracket, this Super Region 3, that was affected by two very big losses in the, in the top regional picks. And um, once Henderson State and Southeastern Oklahoma, and again, let, let's look at this. Let's just talk about this really quickly. Washburn, uh, Nebraska Kearney, Washington Baptist and Henderson State were tied for 79th in strength of schedule, right? Uh, Washburn, uh, OBU, and Henderson State were three and two against 500 teams. Their performance indicators were were separated by a fraction of a point, right? So, I think when you come down to that, obviously you don't have head-to-head play with those teams, but you do look at the fact of what you just said, right? Washburn A beat the Bearcats, and B. Um, lost to UNK, which was four and one against 500 teams. So they were the no-brainer of that group of four I just mentioned that that would get in, and there and you know that loss was so close and so competitively played. I think that's what um, came down to it. Uh, so it, it going into this weekend, I was surprised that Washburn would be into the um, in the tournament, but the way that things played out on Saturday, it became less surprising if that makes sense. Well, and, and yeah, able to see them, a talented group, and I think they have a chance to go down to, to Arkansas and give Harding a, a good matchup down there in the first round of the playoffs coming up this Saturday. Looking at it, we thought maybe there's a potential that Nebraska Kearney could be a team that could be moved around as the committee kind of looks at some of the, the seedings and, and regional games in that way. What were your thoughts on Central Washington being brought into Super Region 3 and um, being up there in a small conference and, and kind of a different portion of the country with fewer D2 teams? Did this, to you, as you see it, make sense, or did it kind of take a little bit of looking at how they maneuvered it to kind of um, figure out why they did this? So it's, it's one of the things that I am thankful that I'm not part of the selection committee, right? Like, so... <laughs> They did They did apply the new rule and uh, apply the new rule in 2019. Uh, just a reminder, real quick, that because of the way that flights were going, and because of the way that some of the regions, like you mentioned, are that Super Region Four in particular, are, are really spread out. 
what they did is they, they gave themselves more flexibility. And what they want to try to do, um, first and foremost, is reduce those flights and reduce that travel. And what a lot of people um, overlook is not just in that first-round game. So, right, you're, you're looking at the fact that, sure, Central Washington is flying all the way to basically halfway across the country, right, to, to Northwest Missouri State. But it's also the second-round game should that team win, right? And I think, you know, should they win um, – you know, obviously Washburn's really close. That would be the next game. And Harding, I think, was about 400 miles when I looked, right? So what you're looking for is not just um, just what, what what's going on in that first game, but how the bracket would play out and the complete total travel should, it, for some reason, they become the sleeper. The West Florida last year, the unseeded team that goes all the way to the championship game. Um, but when it comes down to it, ultimately, you know, you asked me if I was surprised. I really... You can make guesses on this uh, all you want. And, and, you know, if you look at Super Region 4, one of the primary objectives in that new 2019 rule was to try to avoid first-round matchups that are rematches from conference play. And that there was very little um, way to form that in Super Region 4 that you weren't going to land on one NSIC team playing each other with, you know, the, the amount that made it. So, um I, I, I don't want to say I was surprised because there's so many more pieces that go into it than simply, you know, simply they got to go here, we got to go there because the selection committee has like this grand view of how it will play out and, and it, it seems to make more sense. And, you know, that, that Nebraska Kearney and Western Colorado matchup, I, I'm looking very much forward to it. Uh, one in, interesting note is I was, uh, I was just recording another show for NCAA.com and when we were looking, Western Colorado last made the playoffs in 1997. So that means nobody on this roster was even born the last time they made those playoffs. So I think that's going to be a fun little matchup to watch. And obviously someone you know very well, TJ Davis, is always fun to watch. So, yeah, that's kind of how it, it played out a little bit. It, it's you're, you're moving these teams into a place where the complete picture of travel kind of is reduced. And, and so I think the Central Washington makes a little bit more sense. Wayne, you're making me feel old now. I mean, I remember 1997 <laughs> pretty vividly, but <laughs> I think it's fun, too, for the MIAA, and, and there's a lot of talk about the football being played in this conference, and it is highly competitive. There's some very good defenses. You know, personally, you're sitting here and looking at, you're hoping to see a Northwest-Washburn matchup there in, in round two, not only because it's in Maryville, because but it's an MIAA win for Washburn on the other side, too, but then saying... Maybe Nebraska Kearney goes in and makes some noise there in Super Region 4 and, and see what they can get done there on the road. It'll be tough, but um, it should be fun to kind of watch all this play out as we go along. Um, for Northwest Missouri State, facing Central Washington, the only other matchup was 2009. The Bearcats win that by one up in Washington um, and go on to win a national championship that season. What can you tell us about this uh, Central Washington team? What should Northwest Missouri State fans expect? So I think one of the big things you mentioned is they play up in a part of the country where there's just simply put, there's not a lot of football, right? They, their conference, the GNAC, um, it only has three or four teams. So they play a lot of teams twice. Um, now the one thing that, um, the Wildcats did do is they did play ranked competition. They lost a close one to Angelo state, who is a tournament team and they beat Midwestern state, who was the, um, eighth ranked team in that super region. And to be perfectly honest, I think is what ultimately kept, Midwestern State out and got Central Washington in was that head-to-head matchup. Um, so 
the point there is that they are used to two things. Um, that's one, playing some regional ranked and nationally ranked competition and traveling well out of their region in order to play a game. Now, of course, they're doing that and they're going to one of the most unfriendly places for an opponent to play, you know, in Maryville. So we'll see how that, that plays out. But um, like you said, they haven't played in more than a decade. Um, Central Washington is, is really an offense first team. They, they score more than 40 points a game and average more than 400 yards per game. Um, their, their quarterback, Quincy Glasper, just to put it in perspective, over the last two games has thrown for 741 yards, 10 touchdowns, and no interceptions. Um, and that, that's just two weeks worth of stats. And, you know, like I said, the competition is familiar competition. It may not be as strong, but I, I don't care what kind of defenses you're playing when you throw for 741 yards and 10 touchdowns in two weeks. You have a, a well-executed offense at, at any level, whoever it is that you're playing. So um, the question that you have to, to ask if you're Central Washington uh, going into Northwest Missouri is you're going to be you're an offensive first team and you're going to be playing obviously one of the best defenses in the nation if not the best defense in the nation right now um so how are you going to you know it's going to be that ultimate chess game and how you're going to counter because you know the 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 bearcats offense the way that especially the way alan mckeller's playing right now they're, they're going to get their points so it will be interesting to see how central washington can handle that that bearcat d it really will because you look at that secondary, and we talked with Coach Wright a little bit in our post game on Saturday about it, that the secondary is really gelled, especially in the second half of the season. They've been looking good. The front seven for Northwest flies around. That defensive line, it is just it is freakish every single year, and it feels like they're reaching a whole new level. Um, and an interesting kind of little note that we noticed after last week's game, um, beating up on Emporia State, an Emporia State team that likes to throw the ball all over the yard. They've got a good offense. Northwest held the ball for 41 minutes. So Emporia's mm. offense, which, again, they want to get out there and move and, and, and score a lot of points, had it for just barely 18 minutes of that football game, and the Northwest defense kind of got to sit back, drink some Gatorade, and relax, and then come out and, and go off when they had a chance to. So, um, man, if they can get some production for Quincy Glasper, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think for Northwest in that pass rush, a chance to pin the ears back and go, hopefully. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's like you said, it's it's vintage. I don't want to call it vintage because it wasn't that long ago, but it's vintage rich right defense, right? It, it, it's super aggressive. It's it's you know imposing. It's intimidating, and, and you know, and again, it, just giving a hat tip to Al McKellar. You know, coming into the season, um, I wrote plenty of articles on how you know th- that transfer from UND was going to make this offense different and being able to hand him the ball and milk the clock and, and get the defensive rested and keep, keep the gunslingers or whoever the case is off the field is just, I mean, come playoff time, that that's a different level. And um, it's exciting to watch. Definitely. When Bearcat football is good, it's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. McKellar has been phenomenal watching him throughout this season, a really fun running back for Northwest. You get the chance to see central Washington, which is one to throw the ball all over the yard. If Harding wins, you go down to Arkansas and you play a complete opposite style of football. So it's <laughs> it's exciting for Bearcat fans to see just all these different things, not necessarily for the coaching staff to prepare for. Now on the other side of the bracket, Ferris State is sitting there waiting with the potential matchup of seeing Grand Valley State once again. So they know each other very well, obviously. A potential for an anchor bone classic rematch there. Uh, Whenever you look at this one, the Bulldogs were seven-point winners before. 
but nothing's guaranteed that second time around. If Lindenwood can't get it done against Grand Valley State, how huge is that matchup going to be whenever those two meet up in Michigan in round two? I mean, so right now it's hard to go against Ferris State. Um, you know, as someone that watches a lot of tournament football, you know over the past three, four, maybe even five years, we've, we've had quite a few undefeated teams come into tournament. Uh, 2018, Ferris State was one of two undefeated teams playing for a national championship when they played Valdosta State. So to have one undefeated team left standing right now, and that being Ferris State, um, in this season that was anything but predictable, right? It, it was very hard to, to figure out what was going on because there were so many new faces. There was so much time off. So for Ferris State to still be able to go undefeated and you know, one of those wins coming against Grand Valley State says speaks volumes to, to what they've done. They are easily one of two teams that has the biggest target on their back right now as as the contender for for the title. Now that being said, right, Grand Valley State, you mentioned it was a, a seven point um loss, but Grand Valley State was way behind in that game, right? They put a big scare into Ferris State working their way back and I and I love how they do it. They don't if you go to their stat page, if, you, if you're scouting them and you just look at the stat page, you're not going to see that 1,000-yard receiver. You're not going to see a bunch of 1,000-yard running back because they have four or five people at each position that get the job done. And as a defense, and Ferris State is very good defensively, you can't hone in on one guy. And, and I think that what is what makes Grand Valley State so special and so fun to play. But they do have the one guy, and that's quarterback Kate Peterson, who's very good and perfect to lead that team. And, you know, you said it, if, they, if we get a round two rematch of the, the Anchor Bone Classic, uh, it's going to be one of the games of the tournament. You know, it's kind of, you look back last year to basketball when Northern State and Northwest Missouri State played in the regional championship, and you, you just kind of like, why can't this be the final game, right? Because I think that's how good a game that, that we're going to get. It would be a lot of fun to see that one come back around, especially as an outsider perspective and not sweating it as a fan or media member for, for either of those. Um, real quick, you had a chance to talk to Ferris QB Jared Bernhardt a little while back, a guy that played lacrosse at Maryland. Now he's playing quarterback at Ferris State. Can you give us a little background on his journey? It's, it's amazing. Uh, so, as you mentioned, he did play football in high school. Uh, he he kind of always had the itch, you know, from when I spoke to him. It, it never went away. But, it, you know, he won a national championship. I believe it was his freshman year with Maryland on the lacrosse field. So he's playing D1 lacrosse. Then he won the Tawarton Award, which is basically the MVP, the, you know, the national player of the year for lacrosse. So it wasn't that this um, that we had a D1 lacrosse player come to D2 and play football. We had the best player in college lacrosse who was a national champion and player of the year, say, I want one more year of football. He was actually going to do it last year in 2020. Obviously, the 2020 season got canceled. So he said, you know what, I'll play, I'll, I'll play one more year of lacrosse, went out and won the national player of the year. That's how just gifted an athlete he is. And then he came to Ferris State, and he's, he's definitely a run-first quarterback. Um, and, and they've designed the offense to, to meet, you know, to, to match what he does. But, you know, those first two weeks, I think he was totaling 400 yards and like seven touchdowns a week. And, um, he's still getting it done. He's just still getting it done. But that's the scary part about Ferris State. He missed, I believe, I believe it was three weeks. It may have been four weeks. And they have two other quarterbacks on that team. 
um, that could come in, and both of those quarterbacks, when he was out injured, had five touchdown games. Hmm. Right. So Tony Neese is just one of the best head coaches in football in getting the adapting and adjusting, and you know whatever quarterback is in there, whatever running back is in there, whatever defense he has to match up. It's almost like it's like the Matrix for him, right? He just sees things in a different way that he's able to adjust and adapt and get the most out of every player, especially quarterback that that plays for him. And it, it's fun to watch that. Well, yeah, as much as you're kind of looking at, it, say, man, Ferris is, might be the best team in the country, and you want someone else to knock him off. Would love to see a Northwest Ferris State uh, Region Championship coming up in a few weeks. Um, but outside of Super Region Three. Who, who would you go with? Who is the number one team to watch for outside of this region that you're saying they might go in at all? I mean, you know, uh, West Florida. You know, I, I, I hate to sound uh, cliche. You know, it, it's easy. But you look, they were the consensus. Whatever outlet you went to in the preseason, they were the consensus number one coming in. Um, they're, they have a lot back from their championship team um, two, two years ago now, you know, and, and the – Austin Reed under center, just having that. He was a freshman when he went out, and they won the championship, and he was breaking records on and doing that. And now having this veteran guy that's won a championship leading that offense, and Coach Shinnick, who they went down several times this year at the half, sometimes big, to ranked opponents, and they just came out and flipped the switch in the second half. The way he can make adjustments. You know, we could be at the championship game in Texas, and they could go down. 21 to 3 at the half, and I'm not ruling West Florida uh, out of the game. So I think, um, obviously, that they're one team to watch. Um, you know, obviously, you said Ferris State and, and the Bearcats, I think, are, are right up there. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about hope, hoping to see the, um, the, the Ferris State Grand Valley State match, uh, rematch. I'd love to see the West Florida Valdosta State matchup uh, again. You know, last year, or 2019, in the playoffs, uh, West Florida had never beaten Valdosta State in their program history, and they beat them with six seconds left on the clock to go to the national championship game. And then this past weekend, they won. They dropped 61 on them to win their first regular season game against them. So that's a rematch that, that I'd love to see because I also think Valdosta State's a real contender. And then I'll give you kind of a sleeper contender um, out of Super Region 1. I, I really like Shepard. I think they're... Um, their offense, offense uh, Tyson Bajan is their quarterback. He's been one of the best in D2 football for three years now. They have the best offense in D2. Um, that, that super region is always kind of, um, you know, it's fun to watch because there's a lot of high-scoring games, and, and you kind of just – it's the hardest to predict without, without a doubt. And I think if they get out of that super region, um, they'll be a fun team to watch and can, and can be a real contender with that offense. It all gets rolling this Saturday. Can't wait for it. Uh, Wayne, last one before I let you go. How did you celebrate the Braves winning the World Series? Oh, man, that was great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I've, I've got to cover that since 2015, and, and the first assignment I was sent on was to do a scouting profile on this young 18-year-old shortstop named Ozzy Albies. And, <laughs> you know, the second year was 2016, and I'm covering the Rome Braves, uh, which had Austin Riley, Max. Freed, uh, Mike Soraka, like all those guys on there, Ronald Acuna, you know. And so I've got to watch these guys go up the ladder. And, um, you know, it's one thing to be a fan, but I, I was definitely emotionally invested in this team. And to see them bring it home, it was great. And, you know, I, 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a coach. <laughs> I'm a baseball guy. Uh, you know that if you follow me, I, I'm a big baseball guy. So the real way, the, the only way I saw fitting to celebrate the win was to take my daughter to the parade and, and we had a great time. And, uh, it was, it was great to see everything that I've been writing about and watching for the past five years come together in that World Series. You gotta love that. You know what? You don't know when it's gonna happen again. So why not get your daughter go out and, and enjoy it, take in those memories? So, and who'd have thought the year that Acuna goes down is the when they go? I mean, it's just baseball, man. You gotta love it. Yep. Awesome. It was fun to watch. Wayne, thank you for the time. Always great to talk with you. Hopefully, we'll uh, see you in McKinney, Texas, in a few weeks for the Bearcatsman Championship. All right, I look forward to seeing you. And uh, thanks as always for having me. Thanks again to Wayne Cavadi for joining us. Always great to catch up with him. Be sure to check him out on Twitter. His handle is at UofDWayne, and you can find his work online at NCAA.com. Recent episodes on Bearcat Rewind have included Bob Lade, a former Northwest Missouri State Offensive Coordinator and the Recreational Sports Director, Bryce Young, Steve Savard, Kevin Berg, Jesse Haynes, all Northwest Missouri State football alumni, and many more, so check out those archived episodes of the podcast. And thanks to Northwest Professor Alex Kurt producing our intro and outro music. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next time.